So I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation where somebody asked you to produce some identification. Anybody? Hopefully it wasn't included with uh, step out of the car. (laughs) Same time, but there are various circumstances that require you to produce some identification. Karen and I just had to go to Florida last week. I know. We had to go to Fort Lauderdale, you know, hang out on the beach and by the pool. It was tough. But, you know, somebody's got to do it. So we went down there and prayed for ministry opportunities but saw nothing. So uh, we just stayed on the beach and hung out by the pool, you know. And I don't know. Just weren't my people. Uh, but I had to go through the airplane thing, you know, and the producing the I lost my belt in, in Fort Lauderdale because we were in a hurry and... And I had, you know, they make you undress to go through the thing, you know. And I got on the plane. Ah, oh, my belt. Anyway, it was my favorite belt. So if my pants fall down while I'm up here, I apologize for that. May I see some identification, please? Some of you, like me, have been privileged to travel to other countries. And my passport's been on four continents and I don't know how many countries, but just had an opportunity to to serve the Lord in different ways in different places. And by the way, speaking of passports, I think it's either at the end of October or the first part of November, Karen and I are going to be leading a mission trip, I think it's a week long, eight days, something like that, to Nicaragua, okay? We have a long-standing relationship with a children's home there, Arms of Love Children's Home in Nicaragua, and Karen and I would like to take 30 of you with us on a mission trip, Okay. Yeah, I know. So it'll rock. I mean, just hanging out with us for a week, hello, uh, would be worth it. But if you've never been into a developing nation in the midst of poverty, in the midst of where the Lord is working, in the midst of that, it's like you'll never be the same. So start praying about that. There's going to be an interest meeting in a couple weeks. Come to that so you can find out what the details are and uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, I'd just love to take you. It would be great to have you guys as part of that group. Uh, and it is a group that we can take a larger bunch, not like when we go to India and stuff or up the river in Brazil and stuff where we're limited to a dozen or whatever. We can take, I guess, 30 people. So how cool would that be, right? Wow. Anyway, speaking of passports, passports do a few things. First of all, they reveal your, your, your true origin. They say this is where you're really from. Passports also uncover to the reader what you're likely uh, ideals and allegiances are. They say, oh, you're from the United States. You're big on freedom, aren't you? Yeah, actually, I'll let you mention it. Passports also, once they're stamped with a visa, they establish your authority. They say, yes, you have the right to be here. And so when people ask in those situations to produce your identification, that's what they're saying. They're saying, who do you think you are walking into our country? And you say, well, this is who I think I am right here. You know, we're uh, embraced by this theme of the Lord, the God of this city. That God is launching us into this city this year to bear his name, to bear his image to this city. It's going to be an amazing year. And uh, one of the things that maybe we should ask ourselves is, who do we think we are? What authority do we have? Who do we think we are that we can just walk into this city and start declaring the gospel, bearing Jesus Who do we think we are? Well, I'll tell you who we are. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I've printed it up there so you in the first two rows with good eyes might be able to read it. The rest of you are still being encouraged to bring your own Bible. Actually, 
I'm going to print BYOB on the front of the building out here. I just think it might encourage more people to come. I don't know, but bring your own Bible. I don't know. Uh, John, bring your own Bible. It'll do you good to have it open on your lap while you're reading it. And, and then you're want, when you're not listening to me, you might actually fall onto something cool in there. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It starts with this word logos, this Greek word, which means that, you know, before anything was, there was God. Through him all things were made, without him Nothing was made that's been made. Everything, everything that exists, every ma- bit of matter, everything that exists has proceeded from God. Nothing exists that hasn't been made by him. In him, God was life, and that life was the light of men. We have life today because of God. We live by God's permission. We live by God's sustenance. Every breath is a gift of God, yes? Yes? And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So he's going to start talking about this light that comes into the darkness that the world didn't understand. The light was Jesus, but the world didn't understand it. Anybody ever come into you when you're sleeping, resting in a dark room and snap on the light? Hello? Don't you love that? And it's like, whoa, I I don't understand it. I don't see it. Yeah, I know light brings clarity, but in the beginning it just brings, whoa, I don't understand it. That's what happened with Jesus. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness, hold on to the word witness, to testify concerning that light so that through him all, might, all men might believe. He came as a witness. John the Baptist came as a witness to the coming Christ who came shortly after him. He came as a witness, why? To, so that all men might what? What I just read? Believe. The purpose of being a witness is so that others may believe. And he just gave testimony to what he saw. He said, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He just gave testimony to what he saw. And that's what a witness is. Hold on to this. This is so critical to where we are as a church right now. Because I don't want you all getting nervous about, we're the God, God of this city and we're going to go out and start buttonholing people for Jesus and hitting them with Bibles and stuff like that. I don't want you to think that. We're just going out there to bear witness to the things that we've seen and heard, which is what we're called to do. And it said, he himself, meaning John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And you're not Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that? Is there any doubt that you're not Jesus? Katie, is there any doubt that Justin isn't Jesus? All right? There's no doubt at all. You're not Jesus. So when you think about bearing the gospel to this city, you don't have to save anybody. Whoo, that's great. The Holy Spirit is the evangelist. Jesus does all of his own saving. You're a witness to the things that you've seen and heard. If you haven't seen or heard anything, then I guess that's the place to begin, right? Yes or no? Talk to me, church. I don't have much time here. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, I invite you to come and put the, the life of this word into the spirit part of who we are. Our heads are always hungry for another fact. We're people who can never be satisfied with whatever information we get, Lord. And yet we're still hungry. I pray, God, that no person would leave here having missed the meal for the package, Lord. I, ha- I just pray that nobody leaves here chewing on plastic, but they'll just get to that place, the, the heart of encounter with you, who is spirit in their spirit, God. And I pray that you'll do that through proclamation of your word here in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you look at those last few verses, I want to point out a few things and make my point and then see what God wants to do. Okay, fair enough? First, Jesus came first for the Jews who were already in covenant relationship with God through Abraham, but had traded in the life, uh, in that life uh, of the covenant for dead religion. The Jews, verse, verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. So the Jews, they lived in covenant relationship with God. They were chosen. They were chosen by God. Why were they chosen? Because they were better than others? No, Deuteronomy chapter 7 says he didn't choose them because they were better or more numerous than others. He chose them because he loved them. There There were no qualifying features to the Jews other than that God just loved them. That's good news. And uh, they had life covenant relationship with God. But what happened over time, and in particular after the return from Babylonian captivity, what happened over time is that the Jewish nation as a people, they lost track of God and they settled for religion. They lost track of encounter with God. And with the rebuilding of the temple, and hey, look at us! They settled for religion. And this is, a, this is an important lesson, people, because you're hungry for God. You're created with a hunger for God. You're here because you want God. But the devil can be really clever in offering substitutes. Now, some of you have accepted the substitutes of various addictions and stuff like that, and you've come to the place of going, hey, that ain't working. I'm still hungry, right? And so you're moving on from that. Praise God for every one of you. Other people, they don't keep moving. They stop at religion. They stop at, well, I'm a part of this or that, and I do this every week, and because of that, it checks off the box. And it, it, but it's still like chewing on the plastic, isn't it? It's still really not a meal. It's like chewing on the wrapper. I'd say that a person has a problem. And yet whole groups are set up to say, come on, we put out some fresh wrappers. Am I right? And you leave and you're still hungry for God, right? People sometimes come here and they say, boy, I just really love it here. What do you like about it? And they don't know what to say next. I don't know. It sure ain't the preaching. They don't know what to say next. I don't know. There's just something real. That's because you're getting close. You're getting close to a living encounter with the living God. So you've got to be careful that religion... No matter where you are, even here, you don't settle for the song or settle for the chuckle or settle for the handshake or the hug. 
This is just the table that we set so that you can come and eat with God. The next thing I want you to notice is that the Jews in general neither recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, uh, nor did they surrender to him as the God in the flesh Lord. In verse 11, he came to that which was his own, Jews, but his own didn't receive him. Man, they've been praying for him for all that time. They've been, oh, Lord, come. They had songs about coming of the Messiah. And Jesus came. They didn't recognize him. Why didn't they recognize him? Because he, he wasn't wearing the clothes of their religion. He was perfectly fulfilling all of their sacred texts. But he wasn't wearing the right clothes. He wasn't doing it right. He wasn't doing what they wanted their Messiah to do according to the religion that they had built up while waiting for something to happen. And so they didn't recognize him. Now third, I want you to notice that others did recognize the true nature of Jesus and surrendered to his lordship. In verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who did receive him, remember it says his own didn't receive him, but to all who did, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. He extended the legal right. The Jews had the legal right by covenant to be children of God. But they had forsaken the life of being children of God for a religion about God. So that when God sent his son, they didn't even recognize him as a family member. But to all who received him then, to Harry Matthews, because you released your faith into the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you, he extended the right. He changed your papers. He changed your passport. He extended the right to become a son of the living God. So we are sons and daughters of the living God. Not in the same way that Jesus is the only begotten son of God. We're not Jesus. But we are redeemed sons and daughters of the living God with a full place at the table of God because of what Jesus did for us. You there? I want you to understand something. That because of this, our identity, our new identity is established. Who do you think you are? I'm a son of the living God. I know. Crazy, isn't it? And you try and say that, and the devil comes along and says, Yeah? Why are you talking to me? I'm a son of the living God. I don't belong to you anymore. My papers are changed. I don't belong to you anymore. The book of Ephesians said that we used to be sons of the devil. But when you came to Christ, your papers were changed. Your identities changed. You belong to God now. You belong to him. That clearly establishes your identity, also clearly establishes your authority. What are we doing bearing the gospel message to this city? What right do we have to do that? We are the children of God, and I've read this book from Genesis to Revelation several times, and I am under the studied opinion that God wants to have more kids. God wants to have more children. Lots more children. 
And it is our job to go out there and create children? No, we don't create children. We just go out and get the city pregnant. We just, we just go out there and we impregnate the city with our witness. With our witness by giving testimony to the things that we've seen and heard. And that gets people pregnant. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> BYOB, the church that gets people pregnant. Uh, this is not going well. You're not called to save anybody. You're called to bear witness to the things that you've seen and heard. And in bearing witness, God will do the saving. I think you need to notice the fourth thing in this passage is that the testimony of the first disciples as gospel witnesses was based on the very things that they had seen, heard, and experienced. In verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The same writer in 1 John chapter 1, head back there. Come on, let's go. It's fun, you might find something interesting along the way. It's way in the back. 1 John, same John, same guy. 1 John chapter 1 says this. That which was from the beginning, he's big on this beginning stuff, isn't he? That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, in which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's saying the basis of our testimony is what we've seen, heard, touched. So they're not believing in a creed. They're not memorizing scriptures. They're not moved, they're not duty-bound and, and guilt-inspired to go out and share the gospel message with six people this week. But they're just saying, we've seen him. We've heard him. We've smelled him. We've touched him. How can we help but speak about him? He said, the life appeared. We've seen it. Testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. It's like he said in the beginning. Which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim, I love this. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Now, fellowship doesn't mean what we normally think it means, like hanging out together, but it means experience. Union with us is what it really means. We proclaim this, he's saying to you, so that you can see and hear and touch and smell too. And he says, our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we write this to make our joy complete. My point is, is that It establishes the standing principle that our testimony is to be based on the things that we have actually seen and heard. And a terrible thing has happened in the church. Evangelism, the whole business of going out and sharing the gospel with others, has been truncated to a sales pitch. You know, you need to learn this method of sharing the gospel with people. These seven steps. And you need to do it. Good Christians do it. Hello? Am I, am, I, am I sound a little familiar? You know, the church started, we see from the scriptures and from history, it started as this beautiful life of God thing, 300 years, and then suddenly in the 
you know, in the 4th century, then Constantine organized the whole thing, and we started with the Roman Church, and things just started getting more and more and more organized until 700 years after that, the Orthodox Church branched off and went their direction, but still more and more and more and more organized until the 1500s when people said, there's no life left here, and the Protestant Reformation broke out and said, we want God, and we're a result of the Protestant Reformation. But one of the things that happened in the Protestant Reformation is that since the Word of God had been pretty much ejected from the Catholic Church, in its sense, that there was such an emphasis on teaching the Word of God in the Protestant Church that everything today, so much of everything, is about what you know. And it's not about what you're experiencing. You couple this with the fact that we live in this insatiable information age... And it's like, well, just tell me what to say. Okay, I'll be a good Christian. I'll go tell six people about Jesus this year. Just tell me what to say. Tell them what you've seen and heard. That's what you say. I haven't seen or heard anything. Well, let's get to it then. I think that's the problem, don't you? Could you stop a church that had seen and heard the move of God? What could stop you? Imagine yourself on an airplane coming back from the national championship game. By the way, did I call that or what? Hey, Don Shabner pointed out that I hit it right on. I said that they would come from behind and win by three. Did I not? They came from behind and won by three touchdowns, right? Perspective is everything. Thank you, Don. I'm amazing. Okay, so you're on this plane and you're coming back. You're all excited because you were there. You saw the whole thing. You got nervous at all the right times. You celebrated. You couldn't believe three. Are you crazy? This is fantastic. You had a little party afterwards. Got on the plane. You're flying back. You think you're almost to Columbus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I need to announce that because of bad weather in Columbus, we're diverting the plane to Ann Arbor. Exactly! Wouldn't that be the great time to be diverted to Ann Arbor? We won! You didn't even play! We won! You didn't even play! Hello? What could stop you? You get off a crowd, a sea of maize and blue, going boo, hiss, boo, hiss. Are you going to say, well, I'm not going to say anything for fear of being rejected? No! You can't help but speak of what you've seen and heard, right? Is this making sense? You want to take the gospel to the city? Well, don't memorize six more verses. You know enough Bible. What you don't know enough of is experience encounter with the living God. And help me understand this. Why is it that if I announced that for three weeks I was going to teach a new method of evangelism on Sunday nights, this place would fill up? But on Tuesday nights, when we break out the worship and experience with God, and God comes and moves among us, 22 people come. Why is that? Because we think it's about head. It's about encounter. It's about encounter. It's about encounter. You can't talk about what you haven't seen, right? I just long... 
for more of the move of God in this place. I just long for it. Other pastors say, you got to be careful talking like that, Tom. The place will get messy. I know. I'd love to get fired, I tell them. I would, I would love it. Bring it. Am I right? As we go, you know, into the city this year, we're going to bear witness to Jesus Christ. We're not going just to be nice people. I hope you're nice as you go. We're definitely not interested in converting anybody to an empty religion. There's way too much religion. We're going to bear witness. That's all the Bible asks us to do, beloved, is bear witness. It's the only thing we're commissioned to do. But we need data, don't we? And that's why we've been focusing in this series, and we'll continue to do so on foundational experiences like the love of God. If you experience the love of God, it's hard not to bear witness to God's love when you get there and the faithfulness of God. And last week, Tony talked some about the freedom that we have in God. Has anybody encountered freedom because of your relationship with Christ? Anybody? Then talk about that. I don't know enough Bible to share my faith. Yeah, but you're not snorting coke anymore. Start there. Hello? Hello? You're not sneaking 40 bucks out of your pay and not telling your wife anymore, are you? Start there. Hello? You're not sitting in the corner of the room with your laptop turned in such a way so nobody else can see the screen anymore. Start there. But I'm not there. We want to help you get there. That's what this place is for. It's about declaring the things that we've seen and heard. Next week I want to talk to you about about living from your core identity. I think the Lord's given me some pretty special stuff there. But today, I just want us to finish up by inviting you to add to your list of experiences like this our, the experience of your identity in, in God, meaning your, your full internal spiritual experience that you belong to God. That you belong to him. Shane, you're not your own anymore. Remember when you were? How well was it going? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. And we're not our own anymore. We don't even get to decide anymore. We don't get to decide what we're going to do, where we're going to go. It's all in the Father's hands now because we belong to him. When you have this internal, deeply internal encounter with God and you hear him say, hello son, hello daughter, you belong to me. That's part of the core experience of being a believer. What am I talking about experiences? Some, some people, you've been here a long time, and you're saying, I'm still waiting for it to happen, but you've never asked me, what am I waiting for? Let me explain it to you this way. So, so you have a spirit man inside of you. You were born with it. 
You, the, the Bible says God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So inside of men and women, inside of you, Mike, is a spiritual reality, an eternal spirituality reality that you're born with. Because you know Christ, it's redeemed. It was born again. And it's the part that's just so hungry for God all the time, right? So you know how you have experiences that are physical? So you can determine the temperature of the room and stuff like that, how comfortable your chair is the time to switch cheeks, whatever, you know, right? You can experience all that physical. You experience things mentally. You're thinking about things, you're processing this, some of it's creating an emotional response. But there is another part of you, and you all know it. It's the spirit man. When you came to Christ, there was something going on that, like, didn't even need to make sense, did it? It just had to happen. That was the spirit. Remember that tool? I mean, you... You're a very rational guy. <laughs> you were tough. <laughs> and Joe Gato and others were used by the Lord to work in your mind, work in your mind, work in your mind, work in your mind. But it wasn't until you saw your aged mother-in-law singing those songs when she's, her Alzheimer's or dementia I couldn't remember anything else, but she could remember the hymns of the faith, right? I know that was part of your story, that something else happened the spirit man started listening and you gave your life to Christ. He gave his life to Christ because of that. Now, did he stop thinking? Not at all. Believe me, not at all. Nor would we want him to. But do you know what I'm talking, that part of you, when I talk about foundational experiences, I'm talking about connecting with God there. And that's something called revelation. That when you came to Christ, it was revealed to you that you needed him. You needed to be saved. That's revelation. And these experiences that I'm talking about, they, they may have physical dimensions to them. You might, and they might have emotional. You might feel something. But when you know it, it's an experience of the heart. Dwayne knows what I'm talking about. And that, those are, that's the core of experiences that I'm inviting you to have so that you can build your testimony and talk very freely. If I asked Brian over there to start talking about bass fishing, we couldn't shut him up, right? He's caught a few. He's caught a few in his day. And he can freely talk about what you've seen and heard. And that's what we're talking about. That's what, so each week, as we just come to this place... Today I want to invite you to experience in that revelatory place in your spirit the truth that you belong to God. It's not just a thought that you accept or a feeling even that you have, but it's deeper. I'm, I'm God's. I belong to him. I belong, I belong to him. So Father, we invite you to come now and, and move in our hearts in ways that...